0: Stage. We are clear, stand by, the stage reset and house lights. Thanks team for another great show. I'll see you all backstage. This is Designed to Change, Backstage Conversations.
1: backstage do you do you remember that feeling when the curtains closed and you would walk backstage
2: oh i just love it yeah yeah when <laughs> okay. you knew you brought the house down and <laughs> screaming for an encore and <laughs> absolutely how do you feel right now like I, I feel like crowd surfing really
1: <laughs> <laughs> run back out through the curtain and do the crowd surfing thing yes
2: yes yeah, yeah. if, if only
1: before we go crowd surfing surfing, there's one balancing question that you've been you know teasing us with and this is a certified rock balancer thing yeah plus before we read the linkedin article what do we need to know about rock balancing
2: anybody can balance two rocks no uh the principles are I, i write in the in the article there's three principles that i learned i forgot the third And then I rediscovered it or created my own in the article in in the remembering and talking out the journey. Mm -hmm. Any two rocks can balance over time. That's principle number one. Principle number two, the rocks must speak to you. Mm -hmm. So I've I've linked the two and I say they can balance over time provided they speak to you, which means you have to listen for what they're telling you. And that plays really, really well with collaboration because two people can get along. They can find common ground. They can find some creative tension point that they can navigate together, provided both parties are willing to listen to each other and willing to be open to express our agile values, respect, openness, empathy, courage, and trust. If you could do that, you can you can move mountains or 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 stand rocks up, 30-pound rocks. In, in a in a gravity-defying, unearthly manner.
1: Wow, never thought about rocks in that way, but you're making me curious to go back out later after this call and yeah. you know, do, do the do the very thing before the sun sets here in Switzerland. The principle three, I'm looking in the article, you say, you'll know it when you feel it. Mm-hmm.
2: So- yes, it's, it is that serendipity, that aha moment, that thing where one of you or both of you in collaboration or conversation, go, oh, or aha, or you, you, you and I, be, and I mean it when I say feel it rather than say it. I think it. I think there is a feeling there of a, an intangible moment. You just, you just know.
1: Now, that I understand. And your mini Stonehenge that's in the pictures in front of me, you know, I encourage people to go and check them out (laughs) because it's, it's, it's actually pretty cool. Um, you also mentioned a fourth principle here, which is rock balancing is a metaphor for dealing with life and teams.
2: Yes. Yeah. Everything we do, uh, similar to what we talked about before on stage is at least in a work setting is what are the right things to do and how do we do them the right way? And, and efficiency, uh, do you know Jocko Willink? You've heard of him, former Navy SEAL, um, very in vogue right now as a, as a business leader. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a book out called Discipline Equals Freedom.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and I would say that that is the essence of balancing effectiveness and efficiency. I want to do the right work. In order to do that, I have to be very, very disciplined about doing the work right, having a system a process, a cadence, a rhythm, a ritual that allows me to then take on new challenges or navigate new things or or reprioritize. And and that is why we don't want to leave serendipity to chance. Or or um uh, it, 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 it. How did you say it? we don't want to leave we don't want to leave those kind of things, those important things in life or career to chance. Hmm. They will come. I, I don't know if I believe this statement, but I've heard it said the persistence defined as the harder you work, the luckier you get. Or someone else said has said, um, uh, we create our own luck. The opportunities present themselves the more we work for them. My my first last best graduate school, Professor like to say, when the teacher when the learner is ready, the teacher will appear. Hmm. It's very Zen. Well, so is rock balancing. There's a Zen to it. There's a. It, it's a metaphor. Rock balancing is a metaphor for life and teams managing life and teams because you're always in these moments of tension or. Not disagreement or tension like it's a bad thing. Tension like there's just something between us. And how much time do we have? I can tell you about my dissertation where I, I delve deep into people's nonverbal communication behaviors of assertiveness and responsiveness. Mm-hmm. And when you and I have different levels of both, we will just cause each other tension by being in in proximity to one another. Not even intentionally, just it happens. It's part of who we are. How do you manage that? How do you navigate it? How do you feel the different rocks talking to you by how they mesh or grind or press upon each other?
1: Yeah.
2: And emotionally we feel those things.
1: So IBM means International Business Machines in the way I learned it in school, right? Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, do you think business machines get in the way of those um, sensations of, of, us being able to perceive that from each other, like in digital collaboration? Is it, I mean, we, we, we kept talking about, you know, digital dexterity and the ability to be able to use these tools swiftly without the, them getting in the way. Right. 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 Uh, but do you feel that, um, cause you also say like, you know, provided the rock speak to you, mm. like the same thing goes, like if I, if I hadn't seen you speak with Mariano or you see me speak with Mariano or we took the initiative to speak to each other and then now record this podcast right um, there, there is a sense of um, you have to look for the connection too, or you have to be curious right yes because you can find all the information like you said when you first, uh, which I like this idea of you know when you tokenize conversation or knowledge across the, such a large company and you stack the information and made it visible, you see the lines of connections. Although the context or the 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 idiom of how the word was used could have been very different, right? But in the abundance, it created some kind of value, right?
2: Right. Right.
1: Um, do you think there is a, a fundamental difference in collaborating online versus collaborating? um in
2: person and in in the same room i think i think i I used to joke that um ibm is a wonderful place to work except for the technology and 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 i'm and i mean that more as a cultural statement than than as a value proposition of of what we produce and Mm -hmm. and the only hardware we make anymore is is series z the mainframe Mm Otherwise, everything it, 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 and, and interestingly, 60 years in or more, the mainframe remains our foundational uh, value proposition in what we do. I think I think you can be effective in this using the technology we're using right now and we can do things we can Thomas Friedman who said Friedman who said the world is flat, we've really flattened it so much that we can, we can talk in real time across how many thousands of miles. I think there's an effectiveness to that, that, that is still lacking when we do not have this kind of moment sitting in, in your studio or, or my study face to face. There's a depth there and I think another dimension of how yeah. we interpret one another's honest signals
1: and we could still have Mural with us in a mug. There I you know, go. up a Mural there mug here, which, which <laughs> was to us by the team there. But yeah. you know, I like these tactile components, but the combination of both make it so right. exciting, right? And right. In the commonality right. and, and, and human um, connection.
2: Yeah. Um, we could use the same whiteboard in a different way in person than we can in Mural. We would, we would interact even if we were both writing on it at the same time, but the proximity to each other physically, yeah. there's just another level of energy there you cannot replicate here. Yeah.
1: So let me ask you this. This is a, a bit of a selfish question, right? Because we're, mm-hmm. so we have this three day training plus six months training called the Event Design Certificate Program where people become certified event designers. And we're running into cohort 37 at the end of June. We're gonna run it live at Stockton University in, 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 um, in New Jersey and having ran probably the first 32 cohorts fully online and then getting people to potentially use digital tools to collaborate mm-hmm. uh, to submit their projects using tools like mural and zoom etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, uh, and now we've had two years of cohorts where we've only collaborated online and that's been a very steep learning curve for some but very grateful because it helped them build you know, when we got together for three days online, they built the digital dexterity because they didn't have a choice. Right, they right. had to build it as they were learning the subject right. matter, and when they got right. back, some people said, "I've learned more in the online version than when I participated in the offline version." Yeah. for my skill set to be affected in the future. Right. Right. Um, now we have an opportunity to redesign this very structure. Right. Um, We've already selfishly in the context said we're going to bring them back together as a cohort in a boot camp for three days at a university campus, you know, that that we select, so to say, because we want people to physically disconnect from their normal workplace and get there. Right. Uh, But we also want to relook at how we structure the, the total six month program to stack the opportunity of what they had in the digital learning with the physical learning. But we have to first let go of our preconceived notions of how we did the live one, how we did the fully online one, and what we yeah. can now do, now that we can get back together face-to-face. Right. What what, right. What, would your, what would your kind of backstage recommendation be to us as instructional designers, or like what should we be thinking about that we might not be thinking about?
2: We, we had to do that overnight, my team, training uh, people in a global multinational where we traveled to their sites
1: hmm.
2: and, and in a 24-hour period of time we went from I'm booking a flight to you're going to teach this online how do you yeah. do that yeah. we had already been well versed in Mural of course and yeah. and WebEx yeah. and and Zoom as well and we didn't have a lot of challenge to that Although I know a lot of people have, have, and I know a lot of people, a lot of fellow consultants of mine outside of IBM, um, you know, their, their, their business model overnight went over, went to, how do you, how do you facilitate virtually? We were just doing it. So it was, it was not a great challenge for us. Mm -hmm. We'd already gone through that learning curve. And what we found without even necessarily talking through it was we need to trade the the term I like to use with teams is traceability of value. Mm -hmm. This is talking from in agile terms from an agile, from a from um, business objectives to the product ownership telling the team this is the work that's most important to do right now in the product backlog to the the key results and the actions we'll take. What's the traceability of value of what we do that rolls up to the objectives that we're being given? How do we ensure that we're aligned to that true north? Here, the concept is the same in this way. What's the how do we highlight the essence? of the in-room experience and value in this imperfect new media. What what is it about what they get out of our Agile Coaching Boot Camps, for instance, similar to your events, that we must retain doing it on WebEx and in Mural? Mm -hmm. We will not have some of the fun games we do in a room where we play human tic-tac-toe, things Mm -hmm. like that. Um, What we can do, though, is take those experiences and craft them for this new way of delivering. What are those experiences that are a must-have that are essential to the core of what they learn, and how do we adapt it to this new environment?
1: Traceability of value.
2: I like that. Yes. Because
1: it does bring us back to the original kind of thing that we started off with in the On-stage part, if you missed that, you know, uh, um, listen back at that, because there as a cognitive Sherpa, you talked to us a little bit about, um, you know, your your ethnographic um, geekiness, uh, so to say, (laughs) how you like to observe how actual behavior changes over time, right? Right. Um, uh, uh, You know, uh, looking at outcomes, you want to make the gap between entry to exit as big as possible, so it's easier to identify the delta. But as a true instructional designer, as somebody that that really brings um, agile thinking and and transformation into play, you need to observe every increment of change over time as closely as you can, right? Yeah. Um, So I think we're actually lazy versions of what you are if you talk about event designers, because we we, we just say, here's the entry behavior, here's the desired exit behavior, did we make the mark, right? Yeah, yeah. what happened in the middle is a sequence of things that is a prototype right. which will unfold itself in the way it unfolds because you cannot control all of it because the group has influence in it. Right. Um, and that dynamic is unpredictable, right? Unpredictable, yes. predictability between the people.
2: Right, right. Um,
1: so I, I'm, I'm fascinated by traceability of value as a way to, to observe the change over time, more specifically because we have six months, right? So it's actually quite a right. long time.
2: Right, yes.
1: Uh, but we have three days very intense. You know, my, my marker of change that I kept in my mind, Mike, was of all the live cohorts that we've had, I probably remember, and my colleague, Ruil probably is the same thing. We remember all of the people that went through the program because we teach it, right? That, right. that level program. We, we, right. we tend to be kind of grippy on that. Uh, <laughs> and we remember all the people from cohort one to 32, um, and to all the people that were in cohort three, 33 to 36, um, It's not that we don't remember you, but some things we remember and other things are, are less, somehow that synapse of people connection has been different, right? It's not the same as if you've gone through a physical experience together for three days and then collaborated online.
2: Right. Right.
1: Um, And I think that people learning part of really getting to know each other. I think that's where, you know, when you talk about the rock, uh, balancing and those principles, that feeling of, uh, I think it was principle three. You said you'll know it when you feel it. Mm-hmm. In some cohorts, we've had that feeling towards the end of the three days together, right. right? Even to a higher degree sometimes in the live environment, and those were very memorable cohorts. But something happened in that, you know, whether somebody put, spontaneously made a piece of music at the end, or started singing an aria, or like some human barriers were released, which which enabled that convert that that connection, right? So it's right. almost like finding that rock that speaks to you or finding that ability to then express something that you would normally not do in an online setting. But after three days, you're so comfortable with each other. It's like, now I want to meet these people, Yes, which is the reason why we're now creating uh, an actual get together on the 9th of October in Las Vegas for anyone that's graduated from any cohort to get together. Even if you've only met online, right?
2: That's terrific. I love that.
1: To me, it's almost like we cannot not do that.
2: Right? Right. Right. Yes. Last
1: weekend, I had somebody from Uzbekistan who lives in Toronto, followed our program. We've been in touch with him for quite a number of years. He was traveling to Switzerland and he came out for the day and we spent the day together, not having met face to face yet. But then the face to face meeting becomes the one of the outcomes down the line of the learning. Right.
2: Right. Right.
1: Curiosity about the human beings to then meet face to face. Yes.
2: Yes. Not just talking heads on the screen. Like, yeah. Yes. Interesting. You say that we. I just had dinner with two former IBMers last night, and and the one who organizes it, it's a group of people he collaborated with most closely his last yeah. few years at the company, and yeah. wants to stay in touch. And, and we've had, I think, three events during the lockdown, but then since then, and by lockdown I mean you know you had to wear masks going into the building, you could eat, and um, one of them is now 100% remote. In her new company hmm. and she said eventually they're going to probably bring all the new hires to the mothership but hmm. they haven't yet so all we know of each other is what we see on screen and and i'm just remarking to myself as you're talking about all this the there's this especially if we have good relationship if there's a bond a, a, a friend of mine a colleague of mine who's become a personal friend inside ibm hmm. we, we keep threatening each other that i'm going to meet him in his state or he's coming to mind one way or the other we are meeting
1: yeah.
2: and and that that alone i think is the most telling aspect of the difference between virtual and real life is this is artificial it's yeah. it's effective and it's valuable yeah and, and it's artificial to what we've known for millennia yeah about human nature and human interaction yeah you, however we're, we're, the
1: camera mic or whatever might be there is right that the, 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 there is there is uh, a a proximity of uh, of learning between humans that if you have a screen in between it doesn't work the same way
2: right 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 yeah, yeah. and and that's why I think it's I think creativity is best in person even though I, I totally uh, subscribe to the, the thought that you can be creative together remote or, yeah. or virtually it's it's simply that there's there's something to it about our human nature that our most effective communication is actually nonverbal,
1: yeah
2: and and that makes it very difficult to perceive through a lens yeah the physical glass lens yeah yeah because it flattens text. out
1: the uh, the surface right it flattens out. right
2: yeah. it takes an entire literal third dimension of how we interact is removed
1: yeah yeah you suppress one of the one of the options right Or sometimes multiple right
2: right right um,
1: well, fascinating.
2: Um- Let me Can I tell you a story about that from early, the onstage conversation, too, that plays here. Uh, and I just told, I told them last night, I told somebody today, uh, talking about metaverse and virtual reality, until 2007, we had six or seven different platforms running in IBM simultaneously. Hmm. And the one that was coming to the forefront, there were two Um I spent the entire year, two thousand six to two thousand eight, somewhere in there, a year's worth of travel, more than I've ever done for IBM. Hmm. Going on site, sitting down with people, putting our laptops next to each other, and then explaining to people how to build their avatar, yes. so that we could remote, so we could collaborate <laughs> digitally, virtually. <laughs> so
1: you physically went to create the avatar with the person,
2: with them side by you side.
1: Be remote and avatar-based yes. connections could happen.
2: Yes. Yes.
1: Did it build better avatars than if you didn't do that?
2: Well, truthfully, n- very few people mastered the art of of a good avatar, especially in the ones that were more primitive platforms. Like we used a gaming engine mm. where it was, a, it was a first-person shooter um, format. And so the avatars, just the design of the avatar, we could not modify. Mm. They were always in a combat stance.
1: Okay. And
2: so their arms are in a position like they're holding an (laughs) assault rifle, and they're doing this. Take away the rifle; it looks funny. There's, there's only you will appreciate this in the video. But they're on, they're in this, this stance that you would be if you're you're on patrol. Yeah. And they're bouncing back and forth like this. So now they're reduced to just these stiff guys with their arms down and their shoulders up, bouncing back and forth. So there's no life to them. Which, which
1: actually, most platforms, I still see that, uh, Mike. Now, now, now that you say that, I am I'm, I'm, i can't unsee what you just said, right? Uh, nor can I unsee what, as Mike was standing on the other end of the mic, he stood up from his desk and he was kind of like boun- rocking on his feet, bouncing up and down, looking left and right as if he was holding a rifle. Yeah. And, like and yeah. truth be told, I think the, the, the how natural those movements are, or like, yes. and I wonder if, you know, what you see in, uh, in some of the you know really good good animation movies or you know having um presented recently with some people who who do nothing else than develop those characters for those movies and make them as emotion rich or you know almost emulate the human emotions as much as possible mm-hmm. um uh, it's really interesting you know for me to to kind of see if if you know regardless of whether it's a flat screen or a hologram or whatever it might be in the future um if that sense of emotion can be evoked and the reason why i'm saying it mike is we did some research on virtual and hybrid events like maybe 12 10 12 years ago where research from the national theater in london um revealed that the level of emotional uh response from people that were in the live theater watching the live theater in london mm-hmm. versus the people that were watching you know, the seven or nine camera angle, you know, fully at the highest level produced live projection in theaters across the planet, yeah. um, where the emotional reaction of people to the story in the theaters was mm. was more intense than the people in the original theater. Mm. Reason being is because the camera angles and the the level of detail you could see about the facial expression versus sitting relatively far away from all of the actors in a theater, Sure was sure. the one thing that sparked the emotion and they did you know biometric senses and things and happy to share yeah. that research but to me that's also it was on the one side encouraging to see that you know yeah. good camera work and the right you know cinematography can can yes. tell the story right yeah But we're not working with actors here right? We, right we are not working with a staged environment right our our things are relatively unstaged unrehearsed um um you know, they're, they, you know, we, we might not even curate the characters in the right way, right? Or, you know, we don't cast people, you know, we don't yeah. put makeup on them. We don't. Right. So it's interesting how those things are so different from each other.
2: Yes. Yeah. But that research
1: shocked me a little bit. Um, and this was regardless of where on the planet it was, right? So. Yeah. So whether this wasn't, you know, geographically, there was no real significant difference, but the ability to transmit emotion or storytelling through the proper camera work actually was was an opportunity that we had identified sure. then that's i don't interesting. think anybody's mastered it in our event space or anywhere close to it right no no so it's also maybe a level of sophistication that's completely lacking like you say maybe the quality of the platform or you know the quality of the avatar or the way that people would then interact is right. still something that's in a very primitive form today,
2: right? Or, or, or the technology is so the the cost of entry is so steep, yeah, to get that level of quality, yeah. that immersiveness, yeah, right. Well, so I, either
1: it, it's it's like comparing my IBM DOS computer, the first one my dad got for us, right, as a family, it was yeah. like in 1982, 1983. Um, you know and the experience we're having today right i mean yes you know, right there's a few years that have gone past um, right. yeah. uh yeah but it but it makes you think what will it look like 30 years from today uh yeah. or even more right so should we
2: should we schedule that conversation too now Yes, <laughs> one, one year from now, and 30 years from now,
1: we'll anchor that in uh, 20. Uh, you know, whenever we're really old and gray, Mike. You know, which uh, 2052. You know, would us, they would always, already see that we're gray, right? We're just not old yeah. yet, we, you know, we
2: <laughs> <to>. Right, right. <laughs> but
1: um, I wow. I. But before we do that, Mike, I think we should you know at some point either in your state or in my state meet up for um uh, for a real meeting at some point um because I think that's. Um, that delta is something that we can uh, literally, you know, push back any unreasonable demands on plus 30 years. We don't know what's going to happen there. Sure. And when the learner is ready, the teacher will appear was one of the things go. that I you know, wrote down here. You as a certified rock balancer um, focus on doing the right work and doing the work right. Right. And this yeah. whole idea of predictability versus risk and the polarity of that. I enjoyed talking to you as a New York generalist or just as somebody that I saw uh, the spark in the eye when you, when you spoke about the technology with, uh, with Mariano. Thank you for um, spending a little bit of time with us, sharing your horizons of change and sharing it with our uh, audience.
2: My pleasure, thanks so much for the invite. Look forward to talking about this again in, in a year. Absolutely. I trust we'll talk more between now and then. Yes, we will. Well. Yeah, that's
1: that's okay. uh, that's just the anchor down the line, but uh, thank thank you for this. Make sure to look up Mike and and connect with him um on LinkedIn. We'll add all of that to the liner notes and Mike, I'm going to send you the a link to the um, Horizons of Change questions and see okay. uh, and we'll add those written answers as well to the uh, to the podcast liner notes. So thank Wonderful. you for this today and we'll speak soon
2: again. I look forward to it. And uh, thank you so much. Awesome.
0: You've been hanging out backstage on Design to Change Designer Conversations. Thank you for tuning in, and don't forget to subscribe and share conversations online using hashtag Design to Change and hashtag event Want more thought provoking content like this? Visit designtochange.online to purchase your copy of Design to Change, elevating your abilities to look and act beyond the now. Don't forget, it's more than just a book. Experience a hard copy, audio format, video format, and even augmented reality. Experience it in your style and format. Tune in to our next episodes and hear from more designers and change makers. Until then, we look forward to our next conversation.